Hello everybody, my name is Nick Talbert. Welcome to a new episode of Credentials Buffering. Today, I and Rebecca will be joined by our special guest, Savannah Graves, to talk on the issue of gun rights and the NRA. Savannah is originally from Texas, but currently is a double major in journalism and politics and policy at Liberty University in Virginia. We are honored to have her on today to speak on such an important topic. Savannah, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm pretty excited about what we're talking about today. No problem, it's great to have you. Uh, so today I'd like to start off by talking about some recent news involving probably the largest gun rights group in America, the NRA. Recently, in a rather sharp move, the New York Attorney General has vowed to sue and dissolve the NRA in its entirety. Many people are saying that she did it out of pure political motive, but some are claiming it's to keep the money out of politics. What are your thoughts on the current situation with the NRA in New York? So I think the NRA has obviously become super politicized in the past few years um, with a bunch of the gun rights issues and people yelling at each other back and forth. I don't think dissolving the NRA or suing them in New York is ever a good idea. Having that that lobby group and having that group standing up for gun rights, I think is super essential, especially in the times that we live in now. Um, that being said, if the NRA is sued and essentially kicked out of New York, I know they would be welcomed with open arms in places like Texas and um, Louisiana and Virginia. So I think maybe it's a good time for the NRA to get moving out of that state, but I also think it's pretty dumb to be suing them or attacking them in the way that they are. So I know a big claim of why they're suing them is that the NRA has a lot of money in politics and a lot of influence on Congress and how they vote. Do you believe that there's maybe a double standard with the NRA and the emphasis they put on the NRA's money? Or do you believe that the NRA does have a strong influence on elections as well as other groups such as maybe a Planned Parenthood or a Michael Bloomberg? Right, I think the NRA absolutely has... Uh, a sway in elections and absolutely has their own agenda when it comes to elections, when it comes to um, electing officials, but so do many other liberal groups that have not been um, attacked near the same way as the NRA. Like you mentioned Planned Parenthood and they've got their their foot in every single um, election going on right now, especially with people like, um, you know, the squad that are, they're having their own little election going on today um, with Omar getting reelected or not. And so, I don't think that the NRA is overly politicized. Obviously, it's a political organization. I think they're not doing anything more or anything less than any liberal agenda. Thing I want to I want to touch on with the NRA is people are trying to get rid of it, get rid of guns, get rid of any organization assisting in any sort of gun rights. But what does that mean for people who do want to know more? We take away the access to be able to do that. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the NRA provides so many resources to people that are interested in carrying guns or just want to know more about the topic in general. And, I mean, there's not really another... I mean, Gun Owners America do a lot of things, but nothing to the, the same scale as the NRA. So how, how do you think it might affect maybe gun policy or gun legislation if they were to be successful in dissolving the NRA? Do you think that would have a big effect on maybe future gun policy and lobbying? Or do you think there could maybe be some sort of filler group to fill in what the NRA would leave behind? I think, if anything, it'll it'll sway in a direction that the liberals aren't expecting. Um, I think the NRA is so powerfully backed by huge proponents in the South and throughout the United States that, if anything, they'll be set on fire to really donate to the NRA and um, support the NRA in any way that they can, rather than, you know, falling behind this attorney general doing whatever she thinks is right with the NRA. Uh, so next, I'd like to ask you some questions about your maybe your opinions on gun policy and sort of the policy of states and other countries and maybe how it'll affect us. Uh, first, I'd like to start with a maybe often cited statistic or point and see maybe what your opinion on is it. And it's 
the idea that cities such as D.C. or Chicago, who have some of the strictest gun laws in America, also have some of the highest rates of crime in America, and maybe why you think that happens and why that occurs there, and whether they should uh, repeal those gun laws, and do you think the crime would go down if they did repeal the strict gun enforcements? Yeah, absolutely. So I've grown up in Texas my entire life. Obviously, Texas is very pro-gun. We love our guns. We love to shoot. Um, we love to carry. Um, I just moved to D.C. for six weeks over the summer and was completely appalled by how much. Obviously, that's a bigger city than what I'm used to, but the crime there was just ridiculous. I always had notifications going for their police department on Twitter just so I kind of knew what was going on, just so I knew how to stay safe in certain areas. And almost every night and even like in broad daylight, there would be a shooting and no one, there's no accountability whenever the gun law, whenever the gun laws are so strict. Um, so whereas someone can get a gun illegally, they aren't held accountable by people like you and I that are able to carry. And there isn't that, not, not a fear, but they, they don't have that, that same accountability of knowing if I open fire on the street and at four o'clock in the afternoon, there's every possible chance that someone that's not a police officer could open fire right back at me. And so I think that, like, I keep saying that word accountability, but that's lacking in big, big cities and states that don't have gun rights laws and lobbyists. Mm -hmm. Bouncing off that, a whole bunch of gun crimes that are occurring are guns that are either being stolen or illegally purchased somewhere. So restricting it more clearly isn't really doing anything. Exactly. It's, it's, it all goes back to that, that cliche statement of you, you take away the good guys' guns, the bad guys are still going to have those guns. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. I think there's another good statement that goes with that that was sort of goes to what you were saying earlier, which is an armed population is also mostly a polite population. You can see when more people have guns, you're more fearful to do something like that, especially if you know, you know if I break into this home or do something, there could be a person staying behind this door ready. But then you see in places such as like Portland right now where the police have released a statement saying if crime occurs, let them. They said if, they, if you get robbed, hand them your wallet and try to calm them down and leave. Whereas in states where I, like maybe I am, Alabama, where you're from in Texas, it's much different. You can fight back rather than having to give up and surrender. Yeah, I mean, there's not going to be a police officer in every house on every street corner. They just don't have the capacity for it. But there's people like you and I and our our parents and people that believe that guns are a right and that they should be on our hip at all times. And they are, I mean, that's a way bigger population than a single police task. Mm -hmm. So speaking of maybe gun violence and even gun accidents, I'd like to ask you, where do you believe, so America has high gun violence as compared to some other countries. So do you believe that a lot of the gun violence that maybe occurs in America is due to maybe a lack of education towards guns and gun safety? And if you do, where do you see us taking steps to maybe further gun education, maybe some sort of requirements? Where do you see that line being drawn as to where we maybe need to start furthering education people? Absolutely. I think it definitely, I don't think it starts with a guy that's already on the streets carrying a gun, an illegal gun around. I think it starts with whenever kids are young, I mean, our parents' generations, there it was not uncommon for there to be um, gun safety classes and gun safety um, courses held in high schools or middle schools. And so I think that is a huge um, thing that could definitely be looked at in um, educating people on guns. And um, But yeah, I think it all starts with the children and um, educating them and just putting out the, the right rhetoric. And I don't think you can safely tell a kid in Chicago that um, guns are a good thing whenever he has seen all these bad things um, happen around him and he's seen, um, you know, like that four-year-old kid was in a stroller 
couple weeks ago and he was shot in Chicago. And so I think showing them that guns are a safety tool rather than um, something to be used for violence is important at such a young age. Mm-hmm. So where do you think you would draw the line with education and over education? Because I know in a lot of states like uh, Connecticut, New York, Colorado, California, you can get your carry permit, you can purchase firearms, but you got to jump through all these hoops to try and get it. Like you got to go take your course, then you have to pay your town to background check you, then you have to pay the state to background check you, and then you have to pay the federal government to background check you. Like, where do you draw the line with safety there? Like, in my opinion, it should end almost at a town or state level. Like, it should not take six months for your permit to come. Yeah, so absolutely. I am always going to be a proponent for smaller government and um, leaving the federal government out of a few things like that. But, I mean, if it goes to state, fine. I think that's wasting tax dollars, but whatever. I think... Um, it genuinely starts in the home and like obviously my family I've grown up learning gun safety and I think there's been a a systematic tearing down of the family and and this progressive party has wanted to slowly but surely tear apart the foundational family values that have been built up in our country for so long I think that also plays into the gun rights question as well is because they've torn down this family um, value picture they no longer have fathers teaching kids how to properly handle their guns. They no longer have mothers teaching their kids, like, hey, if you have a gun on your hip, you're safe in certain places. Um, you know what I mean? So I think it's I think it's imperative to kind of start that, that conversation again within families as well as in schools. Yeah, I can agree that I think a lot of times, a lot of the problems right now of maybe what a further left is trying to tear down is maybe the essential family. I mean, you saw from the uh, D.C. African American Museum, they released a poster of something of, of what was white privilege, and a part of that was nuclear family, and it was things we need to tear down. And I think you can see some results from that, like you said, fathers leaving the home without guns. So would you say, let's say we were to try to start a gun safety program, do you need to start educating the parents to educate the kids, or do we need to start maybe with the younger generation, go into schools and educate them, and then once they grow up, they can educate their kids? Yeah, I think it definitely starts with the younger generation. I think um, if you bring in Gun Owners of America or the NRA coming into schools and um, you have them teaching their kids, they're obviously going to go back and be like, hey, mom, dad, look what I learned today about how to handle guns. Look what I learned about how um, essential they are to our daily safety. That kind of starts that conversation in the home as young as elementary school, Hmm. Um, much more so in middle school and high school so I think that's a really good place to start and then they kind of whether they decide they want to carry a gun whether they decide that they don't want to carry a gun whether they decide that they don't want anything to do with guns that's now their choice in school they don't have that choice made for them by their parents Um, they're able to kind of see that for themselves and not um, be too much swayed by the media or by parents that are trying to give them a certain rhetoric Mm -hmm. Now, I know I want to touch just a little bit on what you're talking about of educating maybe the younger generation. So I know in Switzerland they have a mandatory you must serve in the military. Any person 18 to, I believe, 34 if you're healthy. And after you leave the military in Switzerland, you as well get to keep your military firearm. But also, so, that is, so Switzerland has a very heavily armed population, I think number eight in the world possibly. But also they have one of the lowest crime rates. Do you believe there's something we can maybe take from that? Obviously, I don't think the U.S. will ever implement... Um, a mandatory service, but is there a way we can look at maybe if you've handled a firearm previously, if you've had some sort of maybe job, or if you have served in the military, you would be allowed to keep your gun after service? 
Absolutely. And if it's not keep your gun, I think it should be like um, something similar. If you don't keep your gun, you get to, um, you don't have to worry about background checks here and there. That being said, I, I think veterans are so overlooked when it comes to mental health. And I think um, that would have to be a, a, a conversation as well of being like, whenever they come back, um, I think, I don't think a mental health evaluation is overstepping um, for the government. I think that is just um, common sense. Obviously, if I have some sort of mental breakdown, I don't want to be handling a gun, not knowing what I'm doing, you know what I mean? So I think um, if we were to implement something like that, mental health evaluations would absolutely be a conversation to have um, just for the safety of themselves and for others, because I think veterans are so overlooked when it comes to mental health and mental illness. Totally agree. While we're talking about um, just like uh, like literal viewing of guns, like viewing a family with guns, stuff like that, uh, we wanted to touch upon how it looks when you see people open carrying, because that was a big thing a couple weeks ago um, with the gun march. People are like, oh, this looks intimidating. I feel like I'm in danger if I see a gun out in the open. That's like, what, are, what do you think about that? Yeah, so open carry is a thing here in Texas. I don't know many people that open carry just because it's not, it's really not safe. Um, it's very easy for someone to grab that gun off your hip um, and do kind of whatever they want with it. And so I will never personally open carry. My dad has probably open carried once or twice. He's not a fan of it because it's not very safe. If people feel like they can keep themselves safe while open carrying, and if they feel like they're not going to be, that gun is not going to be taken advantage of while it's on their hip or while it's out in the open, more power to them. I don't really care if someone open carries or not. I feel safer seeing that someone's open carrying because um, I know there's at least one person in the room that will be next to me with a gun if something goes down. So that's kind of my two cents on that. I will never open carry, like I said, because I don't want to have that risk of someone grabbing it and doing something with my own gun that I wouldn't want done. But um, more power to anyone that thinks that they're safer with it out in the open. So since it does seem that you are okay with the laws of open carry, where do you believe we should draw the laws or draw the line with maybe gun regulation? So I know a lot of people try to go to modifications such as a bump stock. Some people try to go with maybe how many rounds it can shoot per second or, or maybe distance traveled. What, where do you believe we should draw the line with what weapon should be legal, which one should be illegal, or maybe even possibly with different uh, groups, such as maybe veterans have certain types of weapons they maybe can access because they have so much more weapon training. Where do you believe we should draw the line in the laws to where what guns are and aren't illegal? Yeah, um, I haven't done a whole lot of research on this topic um, and on individual guns and individual things about them, um, mm. just being completely honest. So I don't really have a, a strong opinion on um, what should be allowed on a gun and what should not be. I... And I've had multiple conversations and a lot of my conservative friends don't agree with me, but I don't really see the point of a civilian owning an automatic um, weapon. Um, even if they just use it for hunting, I don't completely see the point of it. Um, and so that's just kind of one aspect that I have researched slightly. Again, I haven't really done the research to really go down in my opinion, but kind of what I got there. Nice. I think a lot of the want or need for weapons like that is almost purely for sport. In my experience, everybody that wants a firearm like that is doing it because they, they think it's going to be fun to shoot. They can take it to the range, have like a good day with their buddies. I don't think anybody wants it for the purpose of, you know, taking it around with them or anything like that. Um, and then as far as modifications go, it's almost 
I, I feel like it should be do what you want, but they're what? not super useful either way. Exactly. I feel like it just deteriorates the, the use of the gun whenever you yeah. start adding on and adding on. Yeah, I do know, I think a lot of people are maybe anti-guns or anti-certain types of guns, such as like the AR-15 is maybe the biggest one that's propagated. But it's just because maybe they look scary. People who aren't very educated on guns, when you see a big black thing and it's just like has a bunch of crap on it, maybe, you know, whatever, whatever you can think of, a big magazine or a long barrel or something, they get scared. But then they won't want to ban something that has a similar firing rate but looks a little less scary or is maybe older. So how do you think visuals maybe play into gun rights? Do you think maybe a lot of the liberals' policy and ideas come from simply, ooh, that looks scary? Or do you think they actually maybe are educated on actual firing rates, actual damage, and maybe streets, or just it looks scary, ban it? No, it's absolutely, they absolutely go off of what it looks like. And, I mean, they they classify an AR-15 as the mythical uh, assault rifle Mm -hmm. that they've made up in the media. And that, like... That's just not a thing. It becomes an assault rifle after an assault has been made. You can't call an AR-15 that's never been shot or never been shot off a range an assault rifle. Like it's just, it's a ridiculous verbiage to use, and people have grasped onto it and used it for all sorts of guns that they think looks really scary. And so it absolutely has to do with what it looks like, and they're going to be a lot less scared of a little pistol than they are of an AR-15, but they want to take it away regardless. And so... Um, I think for the sake of the media and for the sake of their agenda, they're going to call anything that looks scary or looks big and assault right do whatever they can to get it off the market. Right. While we're talking about media's role in inciting fear of guns, let's talk about the, uh, the recent shooting. So 20, 21 people were injured in a shooting uh, in South DC. Almost nobody has heard about it. It hasn't been all over the news like typical um incident like that what do we think about that yeah so dc is known for not um having a lot of armed citizens in there they're known for their um liberal and progressive uh population and tucker carlson i think talked about this um on his thing last night or a couple of nights ago and the media is not touching it because it doesn't fit their rhetoric it doesn't fit the the agenda that they have or, or what they're trying to tell people if, if one guy had been there with a gun or one girl had been there with a gun, there would have been a lot less casualties, a lot less injuries. But because that doesn't, that idea doesn't match what the media is putting forth and what the, the fear that the media is inciting, they're not going to report on it. In the same way that they're not reporting on things like human trafficking and Bill Clinton being involved with Jeffrey Epstein on his island and um, all sorts of things going on like that. And so I think the media plays a huge part in inciting fear into each and every community. And I think it's absolutely ridiculous and needs to be held accountable more than it is. So do you believe, do you believe if this exact same shooting, same maybe situation and everything would have happened in a more conservative state with more guns, such as a Texas or an Alabama or just mostly the South in general, that the news may have covered it in a much more heavy-handed way? I mean, maybe. I mean, if it would have happened in the South, I mean, we saw it in Texas a few months ago. It happened in a church and about three guys pulled out their guns and that guy was down. Mm-hmm. And so they're not going to report on that as much either because a good guy with a gun won and that doesn't match the rhetoric. And so I'm I, honestly, this one, I'm surprised they're not reporting on it because they love reporting on gun violence and they love um, talking about how awful it is. But at the end of the day, is it worth their news cycle? Is it worth putting money in their pocket? Probably not. Do you think any of it had to do with the perpetrator not fitting 
the stereotypical trouble bullied white kid at all? Uh, that could, I mean, that's that's always um, probably a question that's on their table um, subconsciously and not exactly put into light, but it's definitely in the back of their minds that is this going to fit our rhetoric? Is this guy um, the kind of guy that we want to target? Is he going to up our ratings? Is he going to give us money or is he going to kind of push back against this this narrative that we've been pushing for years and years and years? And so I think, I think if it's a black man, they're not going to report on it near as much as it is if it's a white man. And that that's not racist. That's just the facts of the media right now. So maybe leading on to maybe the future of gun rights and where we see them going, and especially with the media having such a heavy hand and influence on especially seems like the younger generation. And as we've been talking, the liberal having a heavy bias against guns. Where do you maybe see gun rights and gun advocacy going in the next in the next maybe five to ten years? And do you see us maybe having more rights or do you see us, maybe the Democrats and the younger generation taking more control and taking away gun rights and revoking guns? I think the next movement that's going to hit the gun rights movement is going to be women and Democratic women waking up and realizing that they've been lied to their entire lives from the Democratic Party on how guns are not keeping them safe. Um, I think they're going to realize pretty quickly that with a gun on their hip, they're much less likely to get raped, they're much less likely to get robbed, and they're going to start leaning into the idea and waking up slowly and surely. And we've already seen it happening. Antonia Okafor has shared her story over and over again as as a black Democratic uh, woman. She finally woke up and realized, I want a gun on my hip more than I want to push this agenda that's being pushed on me, where the Democrats think that every woman and every minority is a Democrat just because... Um, they say so. And that's insulting to the minorities, and it's insulting to women who assume that they're not smart enough to think for themselves and choose their own party. And so I think women are really going to start pushing this movement of gun rights more and more um, as it's it's coming to light that you're safer with a gun on your hip than when you're not. Um, I'd much rather be walking through D.C. with a gun on my hip than just, I'm not going to walk around D.C. at night. Just as a woman and as, as a college woman, I'm not going to walk around D.C. at night because I don't feel safe. I'm much more likely to if I have a gun on my hip or I have something to protect me. And so I think that's going to be the rhetoric and the narrative that's really going to push the NRA um, and Gun Owners America and every other lobby group to protect themselves in Congress and protect themselves in, um, in the White House. And so I think right now, I mean, there hasn't been a huge shooting in a long time, so they haven't been able to push that narrative near as much. They're actually losing their narrative day by day as Chicago and Portland and Seattle are exploding with gun violence with illegal guns. And there's no one to protect themselves out there with legal guns. And so I think people are kind of slowly starting to wake up and ignore the narrative that's been shoved on them for years and years. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, talking about women carrying and the future of carrying, do you think there's anything that the gun community can do for women? Because I know I was just talking with some other females that I'm friends with that carry as well, and the only thing they really do to make it any easier for women is they've got the like the external mag slides and they've got uh, like pink guns, but that doesn't really do anything for us. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think um, small businesses have really been huge proponents of women that carry. Um, there's Alexa Athletica that they put out leggings that you put your gun in. And so things like that have really started coming to light and really started growing in popularity. A lot of people think that the way to the cater to women that are carrying is create a pink gun or create one that, that fits into a dainty hand. And so I think creating things like that and also 
one of my favorite things at gun ranges and um, there's a gun range here in my, the town that I live in that teaches women's self-defense classes, which are going to be vastly different from men's self-defense classes simply because the fact that most women are weaker than large men. And so you have to learn how to fight differently and you have to f- learn how to fight in a dirtier way, honestly. And so I think that really needs to be pushed as long as well as how to um, handle your gun as a woman that's being attacked by a large man. And so I think you have to genuinely cater to women differently than you do men. And that's not because women are necessarily weaker or that they're they're not smart, they're less smart um, than men, but simply because we're different and that's not a bad thing. We're each unique. And so I think the NRA and the Gun Owners of America have been slowly working on learning how to cater them. But I think it starts with small towns. I think it starts with small businesses that are um, having these creative ideas and how to cater them. Leggings that hold guns with slender mags and with um, tank tops that you can kind of fit it in between uh, your bra. And so it's just things like that that I think are really going to alert the NRA and be like, hey, what are we doing to help women that are carrying? Or what are we doing to really provide them the resources that they need, whether it be self-defense, whether it be a hotline that they want to talk to, anything like that. Nice, yeah, great points. So maybe on that topic for some of our viewers, are there any maybe women leading that charge right now who you'd like to maybe talk about or ones that you think are really pushing the leadership for women to have gun rights, or not gun rights, but maybe own more guns in America right now? Are there any who are maybe charging, leading the fight, or do you think that they may be up and coming? Absolutely. Um, I love following Antonia Okafor on um, Twitter and Instagram. She's a huge proponent of gun rights, and she's a beautiful African-American woman that shares her story all the time about how she woke up from the Democrat Party, and she's just a genuinely nice person overall. Um, Kimberly Corbin is another really awesome resource on Twitter and Instagram. She was raped and has been carrying ever since, and so um, just killer, killer stories about these women that have kind of woken up and like, I need to carry a gun on my hip to feel safe. And so those are just the the top two that come to mind. Um, They've got really awesome... Um, social media that I love to follow. They're the ones that share a lot of the, the things like the leggings that hold your gun in. And so they're really good resources to really get you started in looking into women carrying. So with it being an election year, I'd like to talk a little bit about maybe the current gun policy pushed by the administration and maybe what your thoughts on and how the Trump administration has been doing with gun policy in these past four years and maybe where you see it going if you were to win election. Yeah, I think the Trump administration has been doing fine fine in a a sense that they haven't really touched it. I mean, they've kind of ignored what the Democrats have been crying for and have been wailing for, and they've just kind of trucked on and kind of left the legislation as it is, and I I think it's doing fine where it's at. I think, if anything, the administration might go forward in opening the table and um, having discussions with cities that are pretty anti-gun. If he ever overreaches and says that these cities can't be anti-gun, I'll have a problem with that. Um, but I think I think it's going to have a lot of conversations with bigger cities and with mayors about... Because I don't, I don't think you can look at the numbers in Chicago of gun violence with illegal guns and not become concerned. I don't think you can look at those numbers and think, oh, gun control is a viable option for gun violence. And so I think that's probably a conversation that will come up in the next couple of years. I, I think the administration is doing fine, just not touching it. I think it's fine where it's at. So let's say maybe during the election, a um, Joe Biden were to win and whoever controls him is tries to implement policy because I think we all know Joe Biden isn't really in control of whatever his policy is. So let's say the Democrat Party were to maybe go forward with, with stricter gun laws or even you can look at maybe a beta or work in Texas where they're saying he will come and take your guns and that's where to try to be implemented. 
do you see gun owners throughout America, you know, hiding their guns and, and not going with it? You can see in Australia when they implemented their gun ban <clears throat> about 15 years ago, no one really abided by it. I think it was maybe a fourth of gun owners actually gave up their guns and they couldn't get the other ones. Do you see that maybe happening in America even if laws were to be passed? Rightful gun owners wouldn't abide by them? Absolutely. I think if you if you, you showed up to every gun owner's door and were like, hey, give me your gun, you're going to have an outright civil war because I know people in my town that will rather shoot you than give up their guns. And I think that's a fair assessment. And so, yeah, I don't think that's ever going to be possible. And I, I, I hope to God it'll never be possible because I hope people will, will fight it tooth and nail to make sure that the government isn't taking away our guns because history has never been kind to the people that have taken away their people's guns. Um, and so, yeah, I think it would be an absolutely idiotic move. And I think they could, they could sure try it, but I don't think it's going to get far whatsoever. Do you think, like, the fear is that we voice as Republicans, you know, we're, we are pretty vocal about saying if this person gets in office, this is going to happen. Do you think they'll act on those things, like things that they wouldn't have done unless it was brought up by opponents? Do you think that is something that we should be worried about? I don't really know the, the instance that you're talking about, but I think our um, elected officials are kind of sticking to what they, for the most part, I think they're sticking to what they've told us they're going to do on the campaign. Obviously, there's outliers here and there. But, um, I mean, at the end of the day, the people keep their officials accountable or, or they're supposed to. How do you maybe see these currents? We've seen riots going on throughout America for, for about two to three months now, ever since the killing of George Floyd. And we've seen cities all across America burning down. You, you've seen Portland, multiple blocks of Portland being taken over, being called their own zone. And you see that happening in some other cities, or at least attempts to. How do you see these riots maybe affecting the gun policy in Americans' minds? Because I, I, I definitely can see maybe the rioting and the looting. You see the crimes possibly pushing at least a, maybe a middle ground America closer towards an okay with gun policy. So do you see the same thing maybe happening with, with the rioting and the looting and people wanting to protect themselves? Oh, absolutely. I think business owners that have lost their their stores have suddenly looked up at me like, maybe could have been stopped if I would have gone after them with a gun. And so I think people are like seeing this in their cities and seeing this in their towns, on their streets, attacking their businesses. And frankly, they're sick of it, which is fair. And so I think um, it's going to start that conversation and start that thinking of maybe I should arm myself with a gun. Maybe I should keep a gun under the counter where I work. I mean, you're not going to you're not going to stop these looters with with kind words or, or with a, a threatening pocket knife. You're going to stop them with holding a gun up. I mean, like, I will shoot you fatally or not if you do not get out of my business, if you do not get out of my house. And so I think that's definitely going to be a conversation that's going to be had that's already happening at a lot of a lot of tables tonight. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I definitely think that the Democratic Party is pushing, or at least not disavowing these protests and stuff, and I could definitely see that pushing maybe Americans to seeing that their elected officials aren't often interested in protecting them, but rather protecting their political agenda. And I could certainly see that maybe pushing a lot of centrist closer right, at least on gun issues and seeing the gun ownership go up. I know at least in my state, permits or applications for permits have shot up here recently. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you can't look at the, the riots and the, the violence outside your home and not think, I, I want to protect myself. And opening up a lot of eyes, and I think the Democratic Party has been lying to the people that they say need to vote for them for years and years, and people are kind of starting to, to wake up and be like, I don't, why do they think I'm not smart enough to make my own decision? They, they're treating me like an idiot, like a child, and so I'm not, I'm not going to abide by what they, they think that I need to do or how they think I need to vote. And that, that applies to to whether they're carrying a gun or not.
Absolutely agree. Uh, Rebecca, if you have any more questions? Um, no, I think we covered about everything I wanted to talk about. Maybe we can just go through, get some final thoughts, uh, some of our highest value talking points, what you enjoyed. Yeah, I just, I think overall, in conclusion, the gun rights advocacy is really going to grow whenever women are leaning into it more and whenever they're starting to cater more towards women because obviously we've just seen over the past few weeks um, rape statistics have gone up. Pornhub is is posting rapes on their the website. Trafficking is a huge deal right now. And I mean, I want to be able to protect myself from being looped into a, a rape or a, or a trafficking scheme. And so I'm not I'm not going to be able to do that by asking someone nicely or or pointing a, a, a small blunt object at them. I'm going to be able to do that with a gun on my hip. And so I think that is going to be the next avenue of advocacy coming out of the NRA and coming out of the gun rights groups. And um, it's going to be interesting to watch. It's going to be interesting to see um, the Democrats being unable to tear that rhetoric down because they've told women and they've told minorities for years that they're too dumb to vote against them because they're the only option there is. And by telling them that they're the only option there is, they've told women and minorities that they're, they're too dumb to think for themselves. And so I think there's going to be a massive reawakening in the gun rights movement that's going to lead into other movements as well. Yeah, couldn't agree more. As scary as current America is, I think we have a really bright path ahead of us with uh, gun-owning America and the widening of it. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say I completely agree. I think everything we talked about today was very important, and you can definitely see the implications. Impl- you can see the effects of it later on down the road. <clears throat> but I think the talk about women owning guns and maybe the culture and women and, and, and politics around it going towards women owning more guns and protecting themselves is definitely the forefront of gun rights. And so you could certainly see a big change in America with the lowering of rape statistics and the lowering of maybe assaults and, and robberies happening towards women and, and maybe giving them a culture where they, they don't feel as scared to go outside when it's dark. I mean, you shouldn't have to be fearful for your life to walk down the street a little bit if the sun isn't up. So I definitely think that was maybe the most important thing we touched on today. And and certainly hopeful where that is where the gun rights would go in the future. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, on that note, it was wonderful to talk to you today. I think, uh, yeah, we touched on a lot of very important topics. I think a lot of good ideas were expressed, and uh, it was great to have you on. Thank you so much. This has been awesome. Thank you. So, so fun. All right. I think that's a wrap. Thank you again, Savannah. That was awesome.